Good morning, Church. Today's scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 53. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 53. Verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Verse 40 Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, 
Someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them not to tell anyone what had happened. May God bless the preaching of our word, of his word today. Thank you, sir, for reading God's word for us. Good morning, my beloved family and friends in Christ. I'm Oliver, and I'm one of pastors serving the elders team here at Grace Baptist Church. We're in day 41 of Singapore's circuit breaker. We are almost there. We are living in this challenging time of the COVID-19 pandemic. To combat the possible spread of the virus, we are taking precautions as required by our government authorities and have moved church services online. So if you are one of our friends visiting with us, let me welcome you to this worship service. I'm delighted that all of us, though we cannot gather as church physically, can gather together to participate in worship online. Thank you also to the AV team Eugene, not the pastor, Stanley and others who have made this online worship possible. Let us pray as we prepare to hear God's word. Father God, we pray in the words of the psalmist, open our eyes that we may see the wonderful things in your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit tutor our hearts, show us who you are, show us how far we fall short of your glory, show us our need for our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, and teach us to respond rightly to the good news of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Since the start of the Circuit Breaker, I've been regularly watching Channels News Asia at 10pm for the COVID-19 updates. One person that caught my attention is Dr. Anthony Fauci, a doctor on the American White House Coronavirus Task Force. This small slide Older man speaks with a soft, raspy voice, but when he speaks, he commands attention with his well-reasoned, evidence-based talks. I did an online check on him. He is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease in America. He is medically well-qualified with many years of experience in public health, and he is recognized as one of the world's leading experts and is considered an authority in the field of infectious diseases. When you have questions regarding COVID-19, when someone like him speaks, you ought to hear, heed, and trust his message. When you have a need, you want someone with recognized authority to be able to help you. My friends, do you have a need? 
perhaps a spiritual need. Perhaps you worry and feel anxious over the difficulties that you are facing. Or perhaps you struggle to be free of addictions. Or perhaps you labour with the burden of the weight of your sin guilt. You also want someone with authority and power to be able to help you. And what if that someone has a message? Then you need to hear, heed and trust and respond to his message. Last Sunday, Ian preached on the parable of the sower. He said that the seed is the word of God, which is the gospel. Uh, this is in Luke 8, 11. And the key point that Ian made was that it is important how we hear, heed and respond to Jesus' message of the gospel. Also, when Luke wrote this book, he wanted his friend Theophilus to have certainty of the gospel that he had been taught. We see this in the beginning few verses in the Gospel of Luke. Therefore, Luke goes on today in today's passage in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 56 to tell us who is this Jesus and why we should listen to his message of the Gospel. And in hearing Jesus' message, how are we then to respond to his message? He tells us this in a series of three miracle stories. Now, I know you're all right home right now. So reach over to your Bible and turn with me to this passage. We will cover three points today. Who is this Jesus in verses 22 to 25? What has he done for you in verses 26 to 39? And our response of faith in verses 40 to 56. This is a long passage of scripture and I will not be uh, covering every verse in detail, but will aim at getting the main point of this passage and hopefully uh, pressing the applications into our hearts. So please follow along in your Bibles. So first point, who is this Jesus? C.S. Lewis, a Christian thinker and author, is known for writing The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe part of his well-loved series of books for children. Lewis was also active in reasoning for Christianity. In arguing for the identity of Jesus Christ, Lewis wrote in mere Christianity. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who said that he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of, of hell. You must make your choice. Lewis leaves for us three options as to who is this Jesus. Liar, lunatic or Lord. This is the question that confronts us as we read verses 22 to 25. Remember, as church today, we have the advantage of having the whole completed canon of Scripture. But for Luke's audience in the first century, Luke was slowly unveiling the identity of Jesus Christ. In recording these stories in today's passage, Luke is slowly drawing back the veil as to who Jesus is. Verses 22-25 records for us a familiar story. Jesus, after teaching the crowds, 
where, wanted to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He boarded a boat and told his disciples to cross to the other side. The fishermen among his disciples set sail with Jesus and with the rest of the disciples. Jesus, tired from all the intense ministry, fell asleep. A storm common on the Sea of Galilee came upon the lake. It was a bad storm, and the boat they were in was taking in water and sinking. Knowing that they were in danger, the disciples woke Jesus. Can you imagine this? Seasoned fishermen approaching an itinerant teacher for help. That was how bad the situation was. The disciples were afraid of drowning. Can Jesus do anything? Jesus awoke and with a mere word, silent the storm. Can you imagine this with me? One woman, a raging storm, the next, calm stillness. Then Jesus asked them a crucial question. Recorded in the first half of verse 25, Where is your faith? Do they not trust God to see them and care for their best interests? The disciples then said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? Luke, by including this response from the disciples, wanted a question of who Jesus is to be kept before his readers. This question is crucial because in the Old Testament, which the disciples were familiar with, the Old Testament makes it clear who has authority over nature. God does. We see this in Psalm 104 verse 3 and Psalm 107 verses 23 to 30. The disciples are beginning to appreciate just how unique Jesus is. Jesus is no mere teacher. He is Lord with authority and power to calm the storm. He is in control of nature. Jesus is God. He is Lord over nature. Their dawning realization brought fear and awe to the disciples. My friends, Jesus calls us to a trusting faith, even in the midst of circumstances that is beyond our control. The disciples in the boat felt helpless about where Jesus had led them. Events in our lives sometimes leave us feeling at risk. Whether it be a tough job situation where you feel that you may lose your job, in the severe illness of a loved one, in an unexpected tragedy, in a breakdown of a relationship, or in this COVID-19 pandemic. Any of these can be the metaphoric storm in which we feel out of control and doubt God's goodness. We may feel God that has left us to care for ourselves. The good news for us is this. Jesus, who called us into these storms, is Lord over these very storms. His power and authority extends over these events when we feel helpless. And though events may not turn out to be the way we want, we can trust that Jesus cares for his own and will not allow us to perish. So trust in Jesus Christ. He cares for us and he is in control. Who is this? The disciples ask. And the rest of Luke's gospel will show the answer to this question. The answer, that answer, is a central issue of life. He is the unique Son of God. He is Lord over nature. 
I had a lecturer in my days in the university some years ago. He was a good teacher. I believe he cared for his students in his own way. So he often dispensed nuggets of wisdom to young, naive students, you know, like me. Once he told me, Oliver, you need to always ask the most important question before you go into any situation. What is it I asked? It's W-I-I-F-M. Huh? You know, I responded, What's in it for me? That is of great importance. He confidently replied to me, What's in it for me? However, for Christian, the most important question is what Jesus has done for you. Luke, in verses 26-29, tells the story of the Gerasene man possessed with demons. And in story form, Luke conveys to us what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has already performed exorcisms in Luke's Gospel. We see this in chapter 4, 6, and actually at the start of this chapter, chapter 8. So why another exorcism story here? This story is unique in two ways. This exorcism involves multiple possession. So it's more it's a more intense encounter than the previous ones. It shows Jesus' absolute authority and power over the demons. And it is the first exorcism that occurred in Gentile territory. It shows Jesus' ministry in the gospel extending beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. My friends, do you remember the story? Jesus and his disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee and went into the country of Gerasene. There Jesus met a man possessed by a legion of demons. The man was unclothed, and though he had been restrained, he would break the bonds and be driven by demons away from people. He lived, he lived among the tombs where the dead were, were buried, unclean and socially isolated. Jesus, having compassion, commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. The man cried out and fell down before Jesus and called out, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. We see this in verse 28. The demons recognized who Jesus was. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. These are the same words used by the angel in speaking to Mary in chapter 1. Jesus, as the Son of God, is the promised successor to the throne of David. The, Jesus has kingly authority and power. The demons recognize who Jesus is, but they did not submit to Jesus as Lord. Jesus asked for the man's name. He replied, Legion. There were many demons in the man. The demons begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss. Instead, they asked permission to enter a large herd of pigs nearby. Jesus agreed. They left the man and entered the pigs. The pigs rushed into the lake and drowned. This shows us that evil is ultimately destructive. The death of the pigs caused a stir. People came out to see what happened. For the loss of the pigs represented a large economic loss. Instead, they found a man freed from the power of demons, sitting in the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. The man had been healed. The word healed here can also be translated as saved. The man had been saved. He had been freed from the enslaving power of evil. 
He was transformed and given a new life. His mind was restored and he could now socially connect with people. Instead of being happy, the people were afraid and told Jesus to go away. You know, this always puzzled me. What were they afraid of? The passage didn't state clearly. It could be fear of further financial loss or it could be the fear that if Jesus was really divine, what would that mean for them? You know, if Jesus really got there, he would have it would have some implications for them. So instead of the kind of fear and awe that the disciples had, the people's fear drove them away from Jesus. Jesus returned to the boat and prepared to leave. But a former demon processed man back to follow Jesus. He was saved from bondage into discipleship to Jesus. But Jesus refused and told the man in verse 39, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. The man went away to his own neighborhood and workplace, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Because of what Jesus Christ had done for him, he became a sower of the seed of the gospel. A Roman legion in a military unit comprised of between, comprises of between 4,000 to 6,000 soldiers. So there were many demons in the men, but Jesus drove them all out. So Luke here tells us who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord with absolute, I repeat, absolute authority and power over demons. Not only that, Jesus showed compassion and freed the man from enslavement to demons. You know, my friends, you may ask here, are demons real? Yes, they are real. The Bible tells us of the presence of angels and demons. One must be careful not to overreact, however. Some people see a demon behind everything. While in modern-day Singapore, we can make the opposite error of dismissing such talk as superstition. Both approaches are actually a win for the evil one. One never fights again what one does not believe is there. And on the other hand, to be preoccupied with the demonic can produce a type of fixation that does not reflect spiritual balance and maturity. This can prevent us from taking spiritual accountability. You know, we have heard people say before, the devil made me do it. And this can turn sinners into victims who seem to have no control over whom they decide to ally themselves with. Jesus' power over such forces should deliver us from any tendency to attribute too much to demonic powers. We see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. Demons are a defeated enemy. Bible passages about demons can be difficult for us to come to terms with. No, but when we see the destructive enslavement of addictions, pornography, alcohol, drugs, excessive online gaming, it's hard to deny the presence of diabolical evil in this world. But in the midst of such evil, Jesus has authority and power to free anyone from the bondage to evil and demons. He can also free us from the enslavement to addictions. My friends, if you struggle with addictions, trust that Jesus can free you. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus freeing us from the bondage of sin and evil and the cross. The Apostle Paul, one of Luke's travelling companions, 
said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. At the cross, Jesus took on the punishment of sin on himself in our place to bring us to God, and in doing so, freed us from the power of sin and death. Jesus can free you from enslavement to addictions. Trust in Him. And if you need to talk to somebody, you can approach any of the pastors or elders. You can email us after this service. What about my non-Christian friends who are listening to this message? If you desire freedom in Christ, freedom from addictions, sin and death, you need to recognize, like the demon-possessed man, you are powerless to help yourself. You are a slave to sin and evil. You need Jesus' help. You need Jesus to exercise his authority and power, to free you from sin and death, to turn, so turn to trust that Jesus, Son of the Most High God, has the power to free you, to forgive your sins and change you. Confess that Jesus is Savior and Lord, and Jesus will free you from sin and death. And if this is what you really want, you can email any of the pastors and elders at the email address that we will give you at the end of this service. Please feel free to email us after this service. We'll be glad to actually talk to you further. My Christian friends, when we recognize what Jesus has done for us, the cost he paid to free us from sin and death, our response will be like that of the man freed from demons. We will go to our own neighborhoods, workplaces and families, proclaiming how much Jesus has done for us. We will sow the seed of the gospel because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, what is evangelism? It's simply telling others the good news of how Jesus has saved us. There are opportunities even in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. I know of one new member to GBC even who even at this time called her colleague to talk and comfort her in the midst of her bereavement. She shared what Jesus had done for her. She shared the gospel. And guess what? Her colleague trusted in Jesus. And even right now, she's following up by doing a Bible study together over Zoom. Jesus Christ, our compassionate Lord over nature and demons. He is that compassionate Lord over nature and demons. And Jesus has done much for us. During this COVID-19 pandemic, when Jesus, uh, when churches were still allowed to gather, believers who profess faith in Jesus had two very different responses to the situation. One group believed that as an expression of love for others, we should take precautions and not meet. Another group believed that as an expression of our trust that God is in control, we should take precautions and meet. To have faith in Jesus is to put complete trust and confidence in Jesus and the gospel he proclaimed. Both groups trusted, but the expression and outworking of their faith, it was different. In Luke 8, 40-56, we see Jesus dealing with both disease and death. Luke puts these two miracles together so that the drama of these two accounts can be clearly seen. While the emphasis in this passage is again on the authority and power of Jesus, 
The two accounts also raise the theme of faith. Both the unnamed woman, the, the unnamed woman and Jairus had faith, but both reflected different aspects of growing in faith. Do you remember the story? Jesus returned to Galilee. A crowd was waiting for him. In the midst of this mass of people, we are introduced to Jairus. He was a lay leader of the local Jewish house of worship and instruction. A modern-day chairman of deacon's equivalent, if you may. Jairus fell at Jesus' feet and begged Jesus to come to his house and heal his young, only daughter who was dying. He was desperate for Jesus' help. Jesus went with him, but their journey through the crowd was interrupted. Among the crowd was a woman desperate for healing. She, has a, she had, had a disease of discharge of blood, likely some menstrual disorder, for 12 years. She had spent all her money on doctors, but she could not be healed. This discharge of blood, according to a purity laws in Leviticus, made her unclean. She could not participate in religious worship, and she was socially isolated from people. In her distress, she came behind Jesus quietly and touched the edge of Jesus' clothing. She believed that she would be healed if she could touch Jesus' clothing. And immediately, she was healed. And she was making her way away quietly when Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? Everyone around Jesus denied it. And Peter, Peter probably irritated and wanting Jesus to quickly go to Jairus' house, you know, Peter thinking, oh, Jesus, you know, we, we have a plan here, you know, please get with the plan. Peter probably said, duh, master, there is so many people pressing in on you. What do you mean by saying, who, who is it that touched me? Who was it that touched me? But Jesus pressed on and said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Verse 46. Why did Jesus do that? Jesus wanted the woman to exercise her faith. He wanted her to give a public testimony. And he wanted to encourage her newborn faith. The woman realized that she was found out in trembling and fear, declared right then before everyone how Jesus has, has healed her. Jesus has authority and power over disease. The woman's response of, response of faith meant for her to go public with her faith. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith had, has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 48. Jesus encouraged her faith, saying her faith has healed her, or it can be translated, saved her. Her faith has saved her, and Jesus blessed her. In the midst of this, a messenger from Jairus' house arrived and told Jairus that his daughter is dead. His only daughter is dead, and that he shouldn't trouble Jesus anymore. The implication was that he believed there was nothing else Jesus can do. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Verse 50. Just as the woman exercised faith, Jairus was also to exercise faith, exercise faith. but his faith response was to wait. Trusting in Jesus, even in the midst of this seeming delay, 
Jairus trusted and they went to his house. Jesus allowed only Peter, John, James and the parents of the girl to enter. There were people crying and mourning for her and Jesus said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. Verse 52. And this shows Jesus' sovereignty even over death. And the people respond by laughing because they all knew the daughter was dead. By, by, take, by taking her by the hand, Jesus called, saying, Child, arise. Verse 54. And the girl's spirit returned, and she got up at once. And to show that she was raised to life, Jesus directed that something be given to her to eat, and she ate. Jesus once again demonstrated his authority and power, this time over death. The girl's parents were amazed, but Jesus told them to tell no one what had happened, likely because he did not want attention at this point uh, of his ministry. He didn't want any attention. This four miracle stories tells us that Jesus is Lord over nature, demons, diseases, and death. And next Sunday, Eugene will preach from Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 9. What we see next in this story, ongoing story of Jesus is Jesus delegating his power and authority to his 12 disciples to likewise perform healing and to preach the gospel. Who is this Jesus? Luke 8, 22-56 tells us clearly that Jesus has authority and power over nature, demons, diseases, and death. This shows Jesus' sovereignty or rule over life itself, not just in terms of physical life, but in terms of life in all its facets. This rule of Jesus Christ, of Lord Jesus Christ, is fundamental to our hope. Since life after death is a key aspect of our Christian expectation. So what has Jesus done for us? He has died on a cross to save us. He work, his work on a cross brings forgiveness of our sins and breaks the power of sin and evil, ushering us into life everlasting. And how should we respond? We respond by trusting in Jesus, that through Him we have been freed from the penalty and power of sin and now receive eternal life. And now having this life, what this real life, what the Bible calls eternal life, we have to live our lives right now in faith. So how do we respond in faith? The, rise, the raising of Jairus' daughter, which called for great faith, reminds us of the faith we must have in God's power to bring us to Him after we die. Standing at the center of that meeting, waiting to lift us up if we turn to Him, is Jesus. There are lessons about faith and God's timing in this passage as well. As Bible teacher Daryl Bob points out, we have already saw how different aspects of faith are illustrated by the women and by Jairus. She was asked to go public with her faith. He was called to have a faith that hangs in there. Both characteristics are important qualities of faith. We can imagine as Jairus watched his daughter's life slip away, while Jesus dealt with a more minor problem. Jairus must have experienced a high level of frustration doesn't Jesus know how desperate he is? Doesn't know Jesus know how bad the situation was? My friends, don't we often struggle to understand God's timing too? 
In fact, much of faith is related to accepting God's timing for events. Especially in this COVID-19 circuit breaker, many of our plans have been delayed or put off. Now, I know of some couples in GBC who had planned on getting married. To respond now in faith is to trust in God's timing. And for those plans on getting married, trusting God's timing for your marriage is your response of faith. It can also be frightening to speak up for the Lord sometimes. But this woman found a strength by God's grace to overcome her fears and to tell the story of what Jesus has done for her. In this COVID-19 times, when we have conversation with our friends over Skype, Zoom or WhatsApp, we might have similar opportunities to tell of what Jesus has done for us. My friends, respond in faith. Have courage to share the gospel. Perhaps in this unusual time, God will sharpen our friends' awareness of their spiritual need. The woman's timid faith became a testifying faith. So may this be so for us as well. May our faith becomes, become a testifying faith. God longs for us to share how he has been good uh, to us. Faith should seize the initiative to act in full dependence, in radical dependence on God and speak about him. Yet sometimes, faith must be patient. In one sense, faith is acting immediately, while in another, is waiting on the Lord. Our lives require a vibrant response of faith applied to situations in our lives. But it also requires a patient waiting on the Lord. For our God does know best. Jesus is Lord over nature, demons, diseases, and death. He has authority and power over all things, even sin, death, evil, and diseases. So we should trust in his message, the good news of the gospel, and respond in faith. Either believing in him or exercising our faith in all areas of our lives. Let us pray. Jesus, our Lord, you are Lord over all of creation and over all our lives. May we as a church testify to your goodness and grace, telling the gospel that you save sinners to everyone who would hear. Help us also to live our lives with faith, responding in gratitude to what you have done for us, so that we may bring praise to your name. We pray this for the fame of your name. Amen.